Welcome to the People of Pathology podcast. I'm Dennis Strank. There are many interesting things happening in pathology and related fields. And on this podcast, I'll be speaking with the people that are doing them. We'll hear their stories and learn about their experiences directly from them. And one of those people is my guest today, Maria Rosakis. Maria is a medical laboratory technologist and runs the website My Kind of Science. Today on the show, we'll hear about Maria's path to becoming an MLT and why she chose it as a career. We'll hear about her website and the monthly MedLab chat that she holds on Twitter and about her upcoming presentation this summer on the power of social media in the medical laboratory profession. This is a great episode if you or someone you know is interested in a career in the medical laboratory profession. I really learned a lot from Maria, and I hope you do too. Maria Rosakis, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Now, <laughs> you are a uh, medical laboratory technologist in Canada, right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, so let's start with how you got into the field. How did you decide this was the, going to be the career for you? Yeah, so that is a little bit of a long winding story. <laughs> I think uh, for most of my childhood, I really loved animals. And I initially wanted to be a veterinarian. Unfortunately, that decision kind of changed uh, when I was in the eighth grade. And we had to put our cat Ben down. So at that point, oh. I, yeah, it was very sad, but it it made me realize that I would not be able to handle being a veterinarian for that reason. And I was coming into high school with no idea uh, of what I really wanted to do. I had a lot of interests. I loved animals, uh, really Elementary school was really into animal rights. I became a vegetarian in the seventh grade. And however, yeah, I was entering high school, not knowing what to do. I went through a couple of career options throughout high school, wanted to be a social worker, thought about nursing. However, some of these choices I realized weren't really fit for me because I knew I couldn't handle a lot of the emotional aspect of being a nurse or a social worker. However, I, I really had this strong feeling of wanting to help people. I really enjoyed volunteering uh, at my school and uh, volunteering in a lot of organizations and stuff like that. I also really enjoyed my science courses, chemistry and biology, and I uh -huh. found out so it's interesting because when I came to find out about this profession, I really didn't know the full extent of it. I told myself, I was like, oh, yeah, I want to be a medical laboratory technician, which, of course, isn't the role I have today. But it was the role I thought uh, I, I didn't understand the difference between a technician and a technologist back then. So what I thought was medical laboratory technician okay. in actuality was what a technologist would do. So, uh, but I had this career path in mind because of my love of sciences and my wanting to help people. And as I was 
applying for university programs in the 12th grade, uh, I went on the university application website and typed in medical laboratory. And that is where I found the program that I ended up uh, getting into and completing a bachelor's degree in medical laboratory science at uh, the Ontario Tech University. And that is where I graduated. And yeah, it was not okay. until I actually started into that program that I found out what the whole profession really is and the role of the technologist in the medical laboratory. So it's a lot of a lot of learning along the way. I knew somewhat what the career would entail, but the more I completed my schooling and the courses I took, I knew more and more. I was like, this is this is the right career for me. Yeah, that that sounds that, that sounds very familiar. Actually, I, I kind of went through a similar thing. You you mentioned the volunteering earlier while you were in school. What kind of volunteering did you do? Um, yeah, so I did uh, volunteering at the uh, soup kitchen in um, my hometown. I grew up in uh, Cornwall, Ontario. So there's a soup kitchen. Uh, the uh, SPCA uh, Animal Shelter. I volunteered at as well. Uh, a lot. Of, oh wow! Yeah, a lot of volunteering. Also through my high school, we had a lot of clubs, and we would have a lot of uh, volunteer events, fundraising events, and I really, I, I really enjoyed becoming engaged in those initiatives. I also went on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic. I was in the 11th grade as well. So, yeah, wow. it, it was a lot of great opportunities uh, for that when I was in high school. Okay. And then now you're uh, enrolled in a master's degree program, right? Yes. So currently, uh, I'm actually almost done my master's. I still have two more semesters. But uh, in September of 2017, I started my master's in uh, Masters of Science and Health Science Education at McMaster University. Um, so McMaster University is a, is okay. a very, uh, very good university for especially a lot of the healthcare professions, health sciences. They have a very good um, MD program as well. And, and this program that I'm enrolled in is an online master's that caters to health professionals and is avail available full-time or part-time uh, thesis-based or course-based. So I am doing it a part-time course-based, uh, the, yeah, the uh, part-time course-based version of the program. And it's been really great. It's allowed me to work while doing my master's. So that was also very beneficial for me. Sure, sure. So what's the focus of that program? Is it more like management oriented as opposed to the medical laboratory technologist program which is seems like it's obviously lab oriented this program is really a health science education it's, it's geared towards teaching us health professionals to be educators or to work in aspects of education we have courses regarding simulation assessment educational technologies and these are all these courses have been really eye-opening to see all the great efforts that are put 
into health programs. And something I never really considered, I never really thought about too much when I was a student in such a health program, but looking now at all the work that needs to be put in, there is an art to it. And it's it's been really great to be able to learn this. And going forward, I would like to pursue uh, opportunities in education in medical laboratory science, which is why I chose to pursue this master's. Because, yeah, I, that's kind of one of my end goals is to work in education, educating future medical laboratory technologists. Okay, that makes sense. Your sort of uh, education career, or I guess you're getting into the, uh, getting into the field you've kind of chronicled on your website, which is called My Kind of Science, which is, by the way, that's a great title. <laughs> um, and there's... It kind of goes along with your theme of educating because it, it seems like the purpose there is to educate people about the field, maybe something they, they might not have considered. Yeah, I think so. There was a, a blog series I did back in my fourth year. So when I was going through my clinical placement in the for the five disciplines that we are uh, practicing in Canada, hematology, clinical chemistry, microbiology, histology, and transfusion medicine uh, throughout uh, my fourth year of school. So that was uh, 2015 to 2016. I was kind of chronicling my uh, clinical rotations in these disciplines. And I've actually had some positive feedback from those blogs with uh, students who have come after me who have read these blogs and they told me how it was great and that they knew what to expect when going into their clinical placement and it really helped them prepare. So it's really great to hear that kind of uh, positive feedback from my blogs as well. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, which of the five disciplines uh, was your favorite? Uh, <laughs> anyone who follows me on Twitter, will know that transfusion medicine is one of my favorites. I mean, I currently work in three of the five disciplines, uh, transfusion medicine, hematology, and chemistry. Uh, but if I had to rank them, transfusion medicine is... And I think, yeah, it's just, you know, as you work as a technologist or a lab scientist or whatever your title is, you kind of go towards a certain discipline and everyone has their special reason to why uh, whichever one is their favorite, but I always loved the uh, investigative nature of working on identifying antibodies and working with ABO discrepancies and dealing with finding compatible blood for a patient with multiple antibodies and stuff like that. I kind of thrive under the pressure and even if I may have the the worst, most stressful kind of shift, I know how to deal with a situation. And it, working in that setting, I feel more at ease. And it's just, yeah, it, it's, it's just one of my passions. And obviously an area that I still look to learn more because there's definitely a lot more I could learn. That's, you know, I have to agree with that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a pathologist assistant and, and any area of the lab, one of the things that 
still as interesting as there are there are always more things to learn uh, exactly, no matter how yeah. long you've been there i found it interesting too you so here in the us the histopathology is kind of separate from the rest of the lab is so there's separate technologists that only do histology that's sounds like that's different in canada yeah i've heard that too in the us how it is a bit different um but in canada basically when you uh study at an accredited medical laboratory uh program you are learning all five you are uh you are what's considered a general medical laboratory technologist. Uh, once you graduate from this program, you write the national certification exam by the Canadian uh, Society of Medical Laboratory Science, known as the CSMLS. And that covers all five disciplines. And then once you go into the workforce, that is really where you decide what kind of discipline you would like to you know, work and perhaps specialize in. Uh, so there may be techs who, after they graduate, only work in histology. Some may work in core lab environments, such as myself. Some may work in solely in microbiology or solely in any of the disciplines. But that decision kind of goes after you write the certification exam and you start working. The only thing is, um, I mentioned the five disciplines under the general medical laboratory technologist designation is chemistry, hematology, microbiology, histology, transfusion. Uh, however, in Canada, there are also two other types of medical laboratory technologists out there, those that specialize in cytology and also genetics are two separate designations. So a general MLT cannot work in a genetics lab. That would be a genetics MLT. And yeah, so those are the two separate um, specialties outside of the general MLT. Okay. That's a completely different like, uh, education Yeah, track. I think um, in Canada, there are far more general MLT programs that are like accredited MLT programs. In Canada, there may be less than a handful of genetics and cytology. Near myself, uh, I live in the greater Toronto area, there is the Michener Institute, which houses a medical laboratory science program as well as a, a genetics and cytology program as well, I believe. So, uh, but other schools, there may be a few other schools that have the genetics and cytology programs as well. I just don't know them off the top of my head, but um, yeah, they are much uh, fewer in number than the general MLT program. Okay. That's interesting. You know, one of the things I was reading your uh, experience in the histopathology lab and you kind of broke it down into the different weeks and I, I love the fact that you got to see a dermoid cyst. <laughs> that's that's one of my favorite specimens ever. And it was really great. The pathologist assistants that I was with for that first week in my histology rotation were really amazing. And you know what's funny? At that time, when I was thinking of, you know, where I would go after what uh, discipline I would work at, I was thinking, oh, it'd be really uh -huh. great to work as a pathologist assistant. 
Um, oh, it, it is. But at that time, yeah, and it, it, it definitely looks like it for sure. Uh, the, the thing was back in 2016, so there's currently some changes happening to the pathologist assistants in Canada where they used to be uh, technologists who would be grandfathered, or sorry, who would be trained in histology to work as pathologist assistants. And they're, they were changing the guidelines and now you require to have like a master's as in the pathology uh, assistant program stuff like that. So that was changing while I was graduating and uh, they were talking about how they weren't accepting MLTs to be trained as PAs anymore. So that was kind of, it was kind of unfortunate because I thought that career was very interesting. I really enjoyed my time with the PAs and it was very, they're, they're really great teachers. They were showing me all the specimens. I, I even had um, these tissues that I was supposed to, you know, gross myself. And uh, yeah, I had a, a lot of tissues to work on myself as a student to practice on. So that was really great as well. Oh, what was, you know, the, the most complicated uh, specimen you had to gross? Or it's maybe the of, most interesting? It's kind of hard to remember now because <laughs> it's been... Uh, uh, four years <laughs> since that happened. Okay. Yeah, it's just the. Uh, but I I remember that the dermoid cyst was very. Uh, but that was a patient sample that came in throughout the work, uh, like the work day, and wasn't one that was saved aside for students. But it was. Um, oh my goodness, there's so many things, but I can't remember them to this day. It's it's been four years, but. Yeah, it okay. was. I remember it was just a really great experience, though. Yeah. Also, one one other thing I wanted to point out. I was reading your you uh, you had to do phlebotomy your first uh, your first couple weeks in the hematology, yeah. um, and you had you had the three lessons you learned from phlebotomy. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and and the, there's the one, the second one, I think, uh, where you said there's a patient attached to this sample. And I think that that applies to really every, I mean, not just phlebotomy, you know, I think about that in, you know, in the work that I do and all throughout the lab, that's one thing that everybody needs to remember that there's a, there's a patient attached to that. So I, I felt like that was a really good yes, point. Yes. And I think um, in my first job out of school, I had the pleasure of working in a hospital that was kind of more rural. And um, in my role, I did do phlebotomy, especially on um, night shift. We would have the pager and would get paged to do a phlebotomy and ECGs on inpatients and such. And working in that environment where you have the trouble of like, you know, difficult draws or having to deal with, you know, the situations where patients on an IV, um, you know, and understanding the proper technique to collecting a blood sample and then immediately, you know, running it in the lab mm -hmm. and seeing the results. And you get a really great uh, overall view of the whole process because there may be some, into, uh, some technologists out there who have solely worked in larger hospitals and may not have that opportunity. And 
maybe lose can lose sight of oh this is you know the the patient who's actually attached to that sample of what it means and i um you know when you've kind of worked in a in a smaller lab where or sorry a smaller hospital and you you get that experience it's it's just really great and tying everything together and you know kind of reminding you the importance of what we do and the person that's really behind all this who we are trying to help in their diagnosis and treatment or whatever reason they're in the hospital it's i think every student even you know as an mlt it's not usual for to see them collect blood but i think it's really important to try to incorporate some kind of uh, phlebotomy training or experience in their education so they can see that. Um, because I know uh, some students at other schools that I was in placement with, they didn't have to uh, do any real patient draws while they were in their placement. And I just think that's unfortunate that they didn't get to experience that. Yeah. yeah it, it makes sense that you would sort of that you could experience the entire yeah. uh, procedure from beginning to end. Uh, you get mm-hmm. a better under, a better understanding of, of everything. So I, I like that and idea. Especially, yeah. I know now, like, I, I do feel bad whenever we have to cancel samples because especially, uh, this is a very, a very common thing for whenever we have uh, samples from uh, newborns CBC is clotted, etc. And it can be, I know it can be very frustrating for the uh, clinical floor to get this call and be like, oh, I have to recollect, you know, the baby's really sick, can't you run it? But it's also really good to understand, you know, the reasoning why. It's like, I'm sorry, like, unfortunately, the sample is clotted and it can give false results if we decide to run it. And that could jeopardize, you know, the interpretation of uh, the patient's results and could per- potentially lead a physician down the wrong path if they get these false results. And I also do think it's important for the clinical uh, frontline healthcare workers, such as nurses, to get a better understanding as to why are we canceling these sampling, uh, these uh, canceling these samples, and you know, the background as to why. Do you need to do each and every step correctly in the blood collection process? Right, right. That's that's very good point. And I and I think um, you know you know your website in particular because you go through in in pretty good detail every step of of every process. Um, and it would be helpful for people to read, even if there are even if they are you know say nurses or some doctors even, so they know the whole. Exactly. How every, so they know every step and how it affects the steps that come after it. Okay, so let's let's move on from the website. I wanted to talk about your med lab chat on Twitter that you started. When how, how long has that been going? Actually, uh, yeah, I had so I had the idea for the med lab chat. It was only just a few months ago. Okay, it's really interesting how that came to fruition because it is actually really random how that start how I started the first med lab chat I remember I was talking to um a friend of mine and he he is well he has been a 
medical laboratory scientist in the States, currently in med school, but I was talking to him about, oh, what are all the different designations for laboratory professionals in the U.S.? Like, it's so confusing to me. I don't understand Mm -hmm. it. And then we were talking about that. And then I don't know, all of a sudden, I'm like, you know what? Let's have a Twitter chat about this. And so, and then it was next day or so that after this conversation that we had this Twitter chat and he had experience doing these in the past through other um, organizations. And I had seen them done before by other organizations on Twitter and other people as Uh well that I follow. I've seen these Twitter chats done before, but him and I, we kind of partnered in running this chat. He helped a lot with like making the graphics and creating some questions. And during the chat, I was uh, posting the questions and leading the discussion. He was also there too to help me. And the engagement. So this was back, I think, in November, I started this. Pretty sure. Yeah, not that long ago. And the engagement I had, and I only gave a few days notice, I'm pretty sure, that uh, a lot of people were participating in this and it was really great. I also have a lot of followers, uh, not just in Canada and the US, but in the UK as well. And they were uh, participating and they were talking about their titles over there. So it was just, uh, the scope of it was so much greater than what I thought. I thought it would just be Canadians and Americans kind of joining, but it also had people from the UK. I think some people from other countries as well were uh, discussing the laboratory title in their country and it it was a really great experience yeah and i didn't intend for this to be a monthly thing but after i ran that chat i decided i'm like this would be really great to start to do like one a month and so then i did (laughs) and then uh in december i partnered with this uh clinical microbiologist in terms of uh, another med lab chat. And this month, yeah, it's uh, more of a people's kind of, uh, people kind of assisting me with the chat. But I really don't know um, where this is all going to go. But I kind of, the main thing I wanted from this chat was to engage others in discussion of uh, the medical laboratory Raise awareness, I think, is one of the main reasons for this chat. And um, yeah, and also to engage people on, on Twitter and on discussing it and educating each other about our maybe our different practices as well, too, and learn from each other. Right. Yeah. There, there seems like it, Twitter especially has is, is been very good for, for that kind of thing. And people are really responsive to it makes me believe that there's a real need and and it's fun when you can engage with people in in other countries you, you know we're all sort of isolated but then everybody's got similar similar issues and similar problems and, and similar successes too I, think. I really ever since i've joined twitter i mean i've had a twitter profile for a few i mean probably for a few years now but i wasn't as active on it. It was originally actually a Twitter for my uh, website. However, last at the beginning of last okay. year, 
I kind of changed the profile to my own name and became more engaged. And I don't regret that decision in becoming more engaged on Twitter because I think, especially for healthcare professionals, there is a, a lot of support uh, amongst ourselves on this platform. And yes, that, yeah, we've, uh, we can discuss our issues. And uh, it's a really great networking opportunity as well. I mean, there's so many people that I would not have known if it was not for Twitter. Right. Some really great collaborations have come out from that. Um, yeah, I think the opportunities could just grow. And it's just a really great way to put your, yourself out there professionally. And for me, it's been really great to discuss this, uh, the profession in Canada and just in general uh, advocating for it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it, so the same thing kind of happened to me. I had a Twitter account and it's only been the past maybe two or three years that I kind of really focused on pathology and, you know, medical, uh, medical things that I would, that would follow and comment on. And there's just, there's so much information. I've learned so much and yeah, I've met of, you know, met online, you know, a lot of interesting people. Um, and that, that, I mean, that really led me to, you know, the idea to start this podcast too. There's just so much information out there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I said a joke a while back. I went, is there a way for me to claim continuing education credits by being on Twitter? I see these great educational cases. Um, Especially, you know, my my one friend Anasi has Morphology Mondays, and there's another person I know on the platform. They have great uh, uh, transfusion medicine cases, and I see a lot of great pathology cases as well. And there's just so much education out there, and uh, you know, great discussion. You know, you can answer yeah. things. Uh, with the polling option in posts, you can, you know, set it up like it's a case on a on a exam, right? And have people go down oh. a succession of of a case, like you know, they show the the, the clinical correlation or sorry, the picture and uh, of a of a tissue or um, a blood smear, etc. And then they ask questions in succession. And it's just great to engage other people. And perhaps some people may have uh, differing opinions. And that's where you can learn even more from. Like, oh, why Why do you think um, you should treat this way versus that, et cetera? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that discussion is great. Even if you don't, you know, actively comment or whatever, just to read all of that, you're, it's all, you're yeah. always learning something. And I think and recently you got into Instagram also um yeah well so that i so it's not so much recently it uh that i got onto it it's more so i had i was attaching um my laboratory posts with my professional profile uh, sorry with my personal profile um so i had kind of a professional and personal profile all in one but yeah and then oh, i sure. decided perhaps to kind of separate the two and one just specifically for the laboratory and one that would just keep with for close friends 
uh, and family. But yeah, so uh, I've been trying to post a lot more, I guess, visual content and pictures. Yeah, just uh, that's been since the new year. So yeah, just uh, starting to post more on there as well. You know, just try to get traffic through as many social media platforms and I guess educate through uh, another platform as well is always beneficial. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think I still think Twitter has the most uh, content, but Instagram definitely is has quite a yeah. bit, and it, even YouTube also. I mean, there's a lot of you know forensic pathology type stuff on on. Yeah, actually, YouTube. I also saw a really great uh, video, and it was about uh, rare blood types on YouTube, and I thought it was really a really great educational video that any anyone could easily understand not just those in the medical field and i think that's the content we really need something that is easily digestible by anyone and that can let anyone become interested in pursuing a career in this field like that's that's kind of why we that's why we do these things you know to yeah, yeah to totally agree expand our the awareness to those who may who may not uh, realize, you know, these conditions exist, these professions exist, all of that. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely, completely agree. Now, since we've been talking about social social media so much, you're actually doing a, a presentation uh, this June, I believe it is, uh, on on social media. Ah, uh, yes. Um, so I I submitted a yeah this idea for a social media presentation myself and actually someone uh, I met through Twitter. Another great reason why Twitter is great for collaborating, but yep. uh, her name is Jo Horn and she is from the UK. Oh, and wow. she is, yeah, she's a, a consultant healthcare scientist. So she works in the histology lab and we kind of coordinated this uh, presentation to submit to this conference and yeah that conference uh, is for the medical laboratory professional association of ontario and their conference will be in ottawa in june so yeah that's very exciting yeah is that something you've done before have you presented at other conferences or is this the first time this will be um yeah this will be the first time that i have presented yeah, a a presentation of this sort. There have been times where I've had posters, but this will be for like this is very exciting for me. This is definitely the first time I have ever presented something like this at a conference, and I think it's a great topic. Uh, the like the positive power of social media for medical laboratory profession. It's something that is I think st is growing and. There are so many benefits that myself personally I've seen in just really a year of actively using it, uh, using social media for medical laboratory like advocacy, and yeah, I'm excited to share these ideas and also be collaborating with someone that I have come to know through social media. So I think it's a really it's a really great thing to be partnering with her to do this presentation. And she's excited as well to be coming to Canada. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Yeah, that's a that's a really good uh, it's a really good story to tell. It's a great example of of the power of yeah. social media right there. Um, so, can you tell me? Have you been to this conference before? I, I, you know, being in the U.S., I've never heard of this one. Um, yeah. So the med- so the, the MLPAO, the Medical Laboratory Professionals Association of Ontario. I know it's a bit of a handful of, <laughs> uh, but uh, they used to be called um, the Ontario Society of Medical Technologists, so acronym OSMT. So they did go through a name change in the last about, it will be about a year and a bit. They've gone through a name change. And uh, I did go to a conference of theirs back in 2016. Uh, I actually had um, a poster there. But other than that, yeah, I haven't been since. And yeah, it's it's just... Uh, it's an organization that represents medical laboratory professionals in Ontario, and that's uh, including medical laboratory technologists, uh, medical laboratory assistants, and also can include those uh, outside of the MLAs and MLTs, and it can also be pathologist assistants, clinical chemists, uh, any kind of professional that works in a lab. It's kind of inclusive of that. And um, the MLPAO, they also have certification exams for the medical laboratory assistants in Ontario as well. So there's a lot of MLAs that uh, go through this organization to complete a certification exam. And um, a lot of hospitals uh, require their certification. So yeah, it's kind of a they do a lot of advocacy work for laboratory professionals in Ontario, but they also do certify medical laboratory assistants. It's a there's a lot of different like they have a, a lot of different benefits. The MLPAO does a lot of different work in a, different areas, and yeah, and I've uh, I've worked with them before. This past fall, I was actually an invigilator at one of the MLA exams in Toronto, so that was very great to work with them with that as well. Okay. Okay. And this, so this is just Ontario only. Is is there a national organization as well? Uh, yes. Or does each province have its own? There is a, so the national organization is the Canadian Society of Medical Laboratory Science, the CSMLS, and they provide the MLT exam as well as an MLA exam as well, uh, in addition to that. But uh, yeah, they are the national society that represents medical laboratory professionals and there's uh also a lot of different organizations in other provinces that i may not know i don't know exactly specifically each of the names because i've never really lived in any other province but um there there are other organizations in other provinces as well okay all right, that that sounds like it's going to be very interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, um, well, Maria, this has been uh, this has been a, a great conversation. I've learned a lot from you. I'm going to link in the show notes. I'll link uh, to your website and uh, to your social media accounts if you like. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, well, thank you very much. No, thank you so much for having me. Uh, this was great, and I'm so happy to uh, have any opportunity 
to talk about the medical laboratory profession. <laughs> I, as you can see, I am very fond of this uh, field in healthcare and yeah, I believe it provides a very important role for like patients uh, and medical diagnoses. And I think the people who work in this profession are great and that we just have such an important role to play and that everyone should know about it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Totally agree. Thank you so much. No, thank you. Great big thank you to Maria Rosakis. Now, again, the name of her website is My Kind of Science, and you can find Maria on Twitter and Instagram at MedLabMaria. I'll have links to all of those in the show notes. I'd like to thank everyone who listened to the first episode. Uh, the response was more than I could have hoped for, and I got some great uh, positive feedback from a few of you. So that, thank you very much for that. You can follow the show on Twitter, at People of Path, and let me know what you think, and if you have any uh, ideas for future guests. There will be a new episode each month, and I'm really excited for the guests that I've lined up for the coming months. I am a member and the CFO of the American Association of Pathologist Assistants. This show does not necessarily represent the views of the AAPA and receives no financial support from the AAPA. Thank you very much for listening, and I will talk to you next month on the People of Pathology podcast.